Welcome to episode 24 of the Worship is Life podcast, where worship equals relationship and relationship is the purpose of life. I'm your producer, Taylor Marshall, and today's guest is Carol Lund, and here is your host, Todd Marshall. Thank you, Taylor. So great to be on again. It's been a little while since we've released. Back. Yeah, good to be back. We're excited <laughs> about this uh interview and this guest and this conversation. Yep. Uh, but first, let's just give uh, some little updates of mm-hmm. life here. Um, I'm going to share a couple. Uh, one exciting update in our Worship is Life ministry is just a couple months ago, my wife, your mom, Brenda, mm-hmm. is now officially on staff Woo-hoo! at Worship is Life. Yeah. yeah. So we're really excited about the synergy that we are going to recapture as a couple in this ministry. So she's wrapped up eight years of teaching piano at North Central and now is officially uh, a Worship is Life staff member. So that has already produced some great fruit and uh, we're excited about the fruit it's going to produce in the future. That's awesome. Yeah. And then also uh, just give the folks who've been following our Pakistan ministry Mm -hmm. update. Um, Yeah, big updates. Yeah, big updates. I mean, many of you know that Taylor and I were there a year ago, stood on that piece of property where they had vision to build a school and an orphanage. We've got a couple podcast episodes about our trip there because it was a radical uh, exciting trip. Yes. That's what it was. And especially the the departure. Yeah, we kind of almost got stuck there. So we've got two... Two detailed episodes about that if you want to go back and check it out. Yes, thank you. Um, Yeah, so we stood on that piece of property between two Christian villages. um, And that summer, you and I raised $30,000 to buy that land. And then over the last several months, we've raised another $30,000. And I'm excited to announce that the building is like 98% complete. So we're in the stage of just awesome. raising some funds for the furnishings, mattresses, for the beds that they've mm-hmm. actually built already, mm-hmm. kitchen uh, supplies. Because it's a school um, and, a, and a living facility? Yeah. So yeah. one half um, has five classrooms, uh, principal's office, admin office, uh, and then the other half has cafeteria and then two uh, two housing rooms. So it's going to house orphans as well as serve as uh, free education for these young Christian children. Because as we've talked about before, these Christians who live in these countries that are 90 some percent Muslim, so they live in this oppressed state. Um, and one of the main things that keeps them in that oppressed state is the lack of opportunity for education. So this is like a beginning process to break this particular community out of that cycle. Yeah, so they've amazing. had great vision. We've been blessed to come alongside that vision. And um, yeah, anyone has the the desire to donate, you can always uh, do that um, on our website. Yep, pretty amazing. Worshipislife.org. Mm-hmm. Um all right, Taylor. Yeah, what's been going on in your life, man? Well, there's been a lot of stuff going on in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, so we are currently uh, actually sitting in my studio in a new location. Uh, last episode we would have had would have been at your guys' place, um, mom and dad's house, and we are sitting in my new house. Mm-hmm. So I bought a house. Very exciting. Uh, closed closed on a house on a Good Friday. <laughs> And so that's yeah. pretty fun. It was a it was a crazy good Friday. It was a really good Friday, but it was a crazy good Friday because we closed at one and moved in the rest of the day. 
and it was busy, busy weekend, Easter weekend, but it's been a dream come true. I set some big goals. Well, basically, my updates are updating everyone who, who's listening on goals that I've set for the year. Two uh, of the major goals I set for the year was one, buy a house, and two is to release a song a month, which was a big undertaking. And so far, uh, the, the house has been bought, and we've got um, five songs already out. And by the time you listen to this, the sixth song of the year will already be out, which yeah. is called Interested. It'll be available everywhere you listen to music. It's maybe the song I'm most excited about ever that I've ever done. I've been doing some just fun, fun, simple, fun social media marketing of pulling up to drive throughs and asking people to rate it from one to 10. You might have seen some of that on Instagram or Facebook. And it's just been a blast. Uh, a lot of fun music's happening. So I'll have, you know, we'll have links to lots of different stuff in this episode. So you can check out worshipislife.org or I'll have links to my new music on the bottom of the episode as well. So feel free to check it out. Yeah, so by the time you're listening to this, the June song of Taylor's will be released, mm -hmm. and um, his goal is to release one uh, every month for the rest of the year as well. Yep. So, yeah, that is exciting. Yeah, I love sitting in your new place. Mm -hmm. um, just a great, great, uh, really miraculous story that we just won't take time to share right that now, but just uh, in this crazy market that we have had and, and your situation. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's, uh, just uh, always a blessing when you see uh, when you see the Lord's involvement in your life. It's been good. Yeah, yeah. Well, we are excited to have this conversation with our friend Carol Lund. So, Carol, welcome to the Worship Is Life podcast. Woo! Thank you very much to both of you, and it is an absolute de delight to be here uh, this morning. And again, thank you. You are so welcome, and we're excited to share with our listeners your life journey, 25 years of leading the women's ministry of the Minnesota Assemblies mm -hmm. of God. Um, and first, we just want our listeners to get to know you a little bit by having you share um, just about your family, your life, your kids, your grandkids. Um, yeah, just... Uh, let uh, let the folks know a little bit about you. Yeah, I will. I will do that. But I'd like to back up just a little bit and just say, I am extremely impressed with your project, your missions project, and mm. the monies that you have raised. Because these, the behind it all, everything that I have been a part of for the last twenty five years is extremely missional. Mm -hmm. And uh, Taylor, thank you, and Todd, thank you. I mean, this is. Um, this is huge, mm -hmm. and it, it's so amazing in um, the day that we're living in right now. God is still moving, and he is still raising money like crazy. <laughs> yeah. Things mm -hmm. are still happening, and mm -hmm. buildings are still being built. Right. Yeah. So I just wanted to add that. Yeah, and, thanks, Carol. Uh, and just compliment both of you. But a little bit about me and about my life and my, my journey is kind of unique. Um, I often say this and uh, sometimes I get critiqued for saying it, but I, uh, in many ways I feel like my journey has been a little bit backward. But you know what? It, that doesn't make any difference because mm. God is in charge. Yep. And, um, you know, I... I haven't shared this publicly. I, I'm not even sure if I've ever shared it before publicly, but hmm. I knew at a very young age, like 15, that there was a call on my life. But because of the fellowship or the denomination that I was in, 
I didn't have, and, and at that time, women were just not being called to be licensed or ordained. And so, um, so I put my call on a back burner, Mm. not, not to really think about it again for a long, long time. Mm. And, and so I, I wanted to share that. And so my life with my family and my kids, I was married very young and, um, we had five children. Actually, we have seven children, and we lost two when they were very young. Mm. We have two sons and two, three daughters, and they are they are amazing, generous, loving, and mm. kind people. Mm. And I love them dearly. And uh, I not only they're not only my children, our children, but they're there are friends and I mm. can remember when our kids started to date, we often double dated with oh my. several of them and, and we had fun and, That's and, awesome. uh, you know, we did life together and I am a relational person and I believe, uh, everything about everything we're doing is about relationships. Yeah. But I, if I could give just a couple of quick notes to all of that, all all seven of our children were born within seven years and Mm. we didn't have any children for almost three years. And so my life has always been, excuse me, our lives have always been a little bit crazy. (laughs) And, uh, and, you know, one day way back when uh, I remember playing out in the yard with the kids and having this, very come to Jesus moment with having three children at or five children at that time under under six. Mm. And um, I remember thinking, okay, God, I I absolutely can't do this. I can't do this. This is way out of my control. Mm. And he, it was it it was like he spoke to my heart in such an audible way and of course, it wasn't audible, but it was like it was audible. Yep. But he just said, you know what, Carol, here is the deal. If you just allow me to help you, he said, you're raising kids for the kingdom. Mm. And and he said, raising children is not about you. It's about me. They are a gift and they were loaned to you to raise for me. And so that was a pivotal Point in our lives, and and it wasn't too long afterward that I realized, okay, God, we're going to open up our home hmm. to whether it's all the kids in the sandbox, or whether it's junior high or senior high or college or whatever it was. We're going to open up our home to all of their friends and to the to their communities at certain given times, depending on the year and depending on the child. But, you know, as life went on, we averaged, we, and this was on a regular basis when the kids got into junior high and high school, we averaged um, anywhere from 40 to 70 kids in our home every weekend. Oh, wow. And, <laughs> 40 you know, to 70. I, I, just, I just read a post from somebody <laughs> this morning, a young mom who has five, very close in age, mm. and she said, I have gotten, I have received most of my 
degrees from my children. Hmm. And I would have to say I agree with her fully because I have learned I have learned life. I have learned about relationships from our children. Hmm. Wow. And and then if I were to web to our grandchildren, we have 13 grandchildren. Hmm. And um, our second one was just married a week ago. Wow. But I had the I had the privilege of marrying our first granddaughter and her husband and those grandkids you know even though life is busy and there's ministry and there's work one of the one of my utmost goals in life regardless of where I was what I was doing where I was working who I was with I, we always chose to put our kids first, to put our family first. And even though it's been very complicated uh, with me working in the position that I have been in, I still chose to put those grandkids first. Mm. And I couldn't get to every event, but my husband did. <laughs> and we worked as a team. Yeah. And, and, you know, to this very day, I mean, um, they were having a little party for me. And I remember Hannah um, spoke for a few minutes. And, and Hannah is the oldest. And she just graduated from law school. And, and it's, it, it's the really cool thing is, is she passed her state boards right away. And she got a job right away. Wow. And, so did, and so did her husband, who did the same. But at the end of her little... Uh, talk, she said, you know, I really never knew that more and more, and that's what she called me, had a job. But I do know, I have since learned that she had a real job. But I, to me, that spoke volumes, mm. that the importance, the significance, that um, the significant role that grandparents play in, in kids' lives. Yeah. So... Yeah. Um, speaking of that nutshell version, yeah, right there. that's awesome. Mm. So speaking of, of of that, the the role grandparents play in their lives. So Brendan and I have our first grandchild, as you probably know. So he's eighteen yep. months old now, Zane. Yep. Um, and like we just, well, I'll just speak for myself. I mean, obviously, my wife loves him dearly, but this part I'm going to speak for myself. Um, I just I can't even fathom, like loving another grandchild. <laughs> like you know I have what? Zane. I mean, yeah. how does that work? Yes. And how does that work? And I remember thinking those thoughts and I'm thinking, how in the world am I going to uh, give equal proportions to the rest? Of, because obviously we'll have more grandchildren. But you know what? Uh, here's what I know. Um, you love them all equally. <laughs> But there is a unique, there is a uniqueness with with that first grandchild. There is a relationship there and a bond that is unique. It's not that the others aren't important or as important, but there's the first one is unique. Hmm. Hmm. And it's okay. And you know what? It's okay. Okay. It's okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, we love him. Matter of fact, we're just right after this, we're going to be meeting him for lunch. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> looking forward to that already. But uh, yeah, so so I have permission to know 
that my relationship with him will be unique. Even, oh, even though there's other ones coming that I'll love just as much. You will love them just as much, <laughs> but, there, but there's a uniqueness there. And I happen to know that little grandchild of yours a little bit. Yeah. And, and he is, he is adorable. He is adorable. So Carol, you mentioned um, a little bit ago, um, just about when you sensed the Lord speaking to you and it wasn't audible, but it might as well have been. And I've had similar experiences. Um, share with our listeners uh, just what it what it feels like, what it sounds like when when you hear from the Lord, when you sense his leading, when you sense his direction. What's it like for you? You know, um, I'll just refer to that, that uh, portion of my life. I was very young. I was 15. And, and I often um, look back upon that time and I, and it was buried. I have to explain that it was buried for a long time. But when I realized that that's when my calling actually came Hmm. and it it was, um, I think when you know the room you were in, the clothes you had on, and the day that it happened, even though you might put it in a suitcase for a while or in storage for a while, that that small, still voice of the Holy Spirit will bring it to your attention mm. down the road. Mm. And when something is that real, it doesn't go away. Mm. even though it may be put on a shelf for a while. Mm. Yeah, and speaking of that, along with that, you mentioned that as you look at your life, you you describe it as as doing it backwards as to what maybe is considered norm. So you yeah. are just coming off of uh, retiring from 25 yep. years of leading the women's ministries of the Minnesota Assemblies of God. That's amazing. And that started, that 25-year run started, like you said, later in life. So <clears throat> tell us just a little bit about how that started, but then, but specifically just hearing hearing from the Lord and the Lord directing that time. I, I will do that. I'd love to. Um, again, another unique experience, um, I went in to serve the previous director and she served for five years. And when she was complete, um, I, I just, that was it. I was done. And when I was approached to interview for the position, I, I I just, I I was just almost like appalled really. Mm. And, um, (laughs) And that sounds kind of crazy, but I, I just said, you know what? I went in to serve you, and I'm done with that right now. I did, I did not come in to lead. And, um, and so I argued with God for about three months whether hmm. to go for this interview or not. And one day I got a phone call from our really good friends who were missionaries in Ethiopia, and she called from Ethiopia. And she said, you know, Carol, are you still are you still wondering whether you should go for that interview at the district office? And I said, well, I am. And I said, I think it's foolish because I don't think that that's where I'm supposed to be. Well, she said, you know, here's the deal. You so trust God. 
she said, then you have nothing to lose. Go for the interview and let God shut the door. Mm. And that very day, about 6 p.m., my husband came home from work, and he said almost the identical thing. Wow. And so I went to the interview, and I, I remember it like yesterday with Pastor Wes and Pastor Clarence. And I went there with absolutely no strings attached and extreme freedom to just share who I was and what I'm about and the fact that this job is not for me. And and I just I walked out of there in total confidence that that, that job was not mine. <laughs> nor, nor did I want that job. And and so um, I remember the day like two months later when Pastor Clarence called me and he said, you know, we have unanimously chosen you for this p- position as the Presbyterian board. And I literally could not speak. And <laughs> he said to me, what's wrong with you? What? And I said, no, you don't. I, I said, I don't want to be rude or disrespectful, but I said, I did not ask for this job. And I don't think I want this job. And, and I said, here's the, here's the kicker. I remember saying to him, um, I just, I just believe that I'm not qualified to do this job. And, you know, when I, you know, that's history. And when I look at back at that, I think how many times do we all look at our lives and we look at situations Mm -hmm. and we look at relationships and we just think, you know, we're not qualified to, (coughs) to be this person uh, in this, in this role or piece or ministry or whatever. So there we go. Wow. That was the very beginning. So when you found out that, (laughs) They voted you in without your permission. Uh, what was the process of of finding peace in that and and finding assurance that uh, this was the Lord's direction? Okay, what I told Pastor Clarence, and um, I said, would you give me two weeks okay. to pray and fast over this? And he said, absolutely, and. I, I did. I literally spent two weeks praying. And again, I can tell you where I was, what I had on. And I was in my husband's office mm. at the time. And I, I just remember hitting my knees and saying, God, this just, I, I can't do this. I don't want this. And yet the Holy Spirit started to download in my life two words and, and one word was bridge and one word was missions or missional. Mm. And I remember arguing, arguing with God about those two words. And, and I said, you know, I, I'm trying to understand this. I said, when I think about a bridge, I, um, it's something made out of steel or wood or, or whatever, concrete. And it's so masculine. And here, God, you're asking me to work with the women of Minnesota, the women of the Minnesota district. And, and I don't even know if I like working with women, you know, or a lot of women. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, and, and so he said, no, he said, it's, it's not about that. He said, I want you 
to be a bridge to the generations, to the denominations, and to different cultures. Hmm. I mean, it was as clear hmm. as what our, our mission statement is today. And then I said, the word missions. He said, I want women's ministry originally was established to be a missional, a huge part of the um of the missions department okay. of the of the Minnesota District of the Assemblies of God and the national office, and and did I know all that at the time? No, I didn't. But he gave me that word, and everything that we have done the last twenty four years, twenty five years, we have filtered through those those two words, hmm. bridge and missions. And and so that's a short version. Wow, yeah. Really? So the so the name of Minnesota Assemblies of God Women's Ministries is literally bridging yep. the gap. That's the name, bridging the gap. Yep. So so and now we're hearing where that came from. At what point did the name switch happen? The the name switch came into being. I would say about maybe approximately two years, a year and a half to two years after. Uh, I took my position. Okay, so pretty early in the process then. Wow. Pretty early in the process. And, you know, we had to go through permission and all of the above. And, and you know, I started out at one-fourth time, and then I worked my way to one-half time, and then three-quarters time, and then full-time, and then full-time with an assistant. And And we laugh about it and joke about it all the time now, but my first assistant worked one quarter time and then one <laughs> half time and then full time. Yep. And so, you know, that that is how it went on. But um, everything was about a journey and um, it really was about reaching, reaching women for Jesus and building relationships. Yep. So. Yeah, and that's, and that's a great segue to where I want to go next. So you've talked about... Um, how you learned relationship through your kids. I, you've I did. talked about um, you've talked about your relationship with the Lord and how you've heard them at seasons in life, but then also just throughout life. So how would you say those two things then um, led have led your have led that ministry have led your leadership style uh your leadership principles how has that guided your ministry and what are some examples of how that's played out in in your leadership in this ministry you know i it it really has and i again i i often say and i'll i'll make a joke out of it but i'm really quite serious i i've learned a i've learned so much from our children. I've learned how to handle relationships, how to handle conflict, just, just so many things mm. and how, how many things over the years. Um, and I'll often, again, I go back and I'll say it again. I've often make a made a joke out of it that I, my first year of college was really my kids and what I learned from them and having to raise five children in six years and um you know it 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 just everything intersected absolutely intersected mm. and i saw it over and over again 
and just that importance of people and the importance of relationships and the importance of everything that you teach your children you you teach them to follow through you, you teach them discipline you teach them uh, what does it mean to what does it really mean to turn the other cheek and you know so oftentimes when you're when you're building a leadership team and the team that I was on with the, my predecessor um, was three people and we built a team to by the time I left the core team was about 120 mm. or 140 people. That was just core team. Wow. And the, t- the team that actually executed or does execute the Thrive Conference is about 350. Mm. So that's, that's a lot of people, uh, what should I say, people management yeah. and relationships. Yeah. But everything, and, and I'll just conclude with this, I think everything that we do in life, every opportunity that we have in life, every conflict that, that we have in life, every painful moment we in, within our marriage, within our home, we've had multiple painful moments. Mm-hmm. We've had a lot of times people think, you know, life has been pretty easy. It has not. But all of those things contribute to how, well, it's a choice. It's, it's always a choice. Uh, but it contributes to how you, um, how, you, how you lead people. Yeah. It does. It does. Um, I'd like you to speak to a couple things that I've heard um, others who've worked with you say. Um, one of them is your process. Well, two things combined in one, um, how you, how you look at volunteers, how you think of volunteers, but then number two, along with that, how you select staff, um, and volunteers. And in particular, again, going back to just your process and hearing from the Lord. So, um, yeah, your perspective on volunteers, um, and then just what it sounded like as you would seek the Lord in selecting staff and volunteers. Okay. You know, I learned early on that I'm very much, um, I'm, I just, I'm not sure that I really knew this, but I learned that I am very much a visionary and I'm very much a get it done person. And I think, Part of that was, I, I send that back to our kids, but in this process, I, I learned early on within the Bridging the Gap ministry that uh, people had to, uh, what should I say, volunteers were the most valuable commodity hmm. that we had within our department and extremely valuable. And, and then to add to that is volunteers because they are such a amazing commodity and our most valuable commodity need to be treated in such a way. And that there needs to be respect and 
if you have people working with you, um, you need to learn their history. You need to learn their background. Hmm. You need to do life with them aside from just having them volunteer for you. So my core team of advisors, which were 28, I, I knew everything about them and I did things with all of them at one time or another during any given year. And there was relationship there. And I, I just think whether that's a church staff, a, you know, a pastoral staff, or whether it's a college staff, it is so important mm. that we have relationship outside of what we want our volunteers to do. Yeah. And then when it, when it comes time, when it came time, uh, yes, we had turnover. But within Bridging the Gap, it's amazing. We had over the years, we've had very little turnover. We have turnover because someone is taking a new job and someone is moving over here. Or I have one gal who was with me for a long time and then and helped us with our with our first um, with some of our first uh, books and our website and all of that. Anyway, she ended up she got married, has two children, and now she's back on board full force and and came back around maybe two years ago and mm. now she's helping Angie immensely. So what but one of the things, one of the tools that I used was I would vet them very closely and I'm I'm going to say this and then I'm going to add something on the very end of it. And I would meet almost all of our new volunteers or a volunteer one by one in a room. And probably one of the first and foremost things I would ask them is just tell me about you and tell me what is your greatest passion. Mm. And when you ask someone that question, it is a trigger question and it will, it just opens up into all different avenues you will learn their gifts. You will learn, you will learn this. You will learn that about their lives, about their families, and everything else. And what I believe so strongly is that if volunteers are, and this is why I so believe in gift assessments, if volunteers are working where their gifts are at, they don't. Most of them don't know they're even really working, mm -hmm. and and that's. And, and, and that's kind of an old thing, but you know what? It's true. It's yeah. absolutely true. But then be, before I ever went into a vetting moment, a time to interview, I, I totally believe the foundation of everything behind Bridging the Gap is prayer. And it, it has been bathed over and over again with prayer. And even when I walk into a room to to meet with a potential volunteer, I I would have spent time in prayer and just saying, okay, God, maybe this person isn't supposed to be here today, but maybe she's supposed to be here working with us in two years. And and you know, I've had many situations like that where where I've even walked into a room, uh, into a party, or an event of some sort, 
and I'll be introduced to someone and the Holy Spirit just drops this nugget of confidence in my heart and says, you know what? You're supposed to ask that person down the road to be a part of the Bridging the Gap hmm. team. And that happened over and over again. Hmm. And most people on the team were really um, brought in through those Holy Spirit moments and then, of course, interviewed and vetted. But but that that's my journey of I love working with people, and I think people know if you really love working with them. Wow. Um, one one final question, uh, because I've also heard many, many people who've worked with you um, just talk about how you have the ability to see something in someone and then encourage and draw that out of them. And maybe that's directly tied to your question of, of what, is, what is your main passion in life. But, um, but yeah, just speak to that, speak to that, not only that gifting and that ability, but, but um, how you would encourage maybe other leaders or other aspiring leaders to, to follow in that footstep of being able to, to recognize something in someone and, and to draw that out of them? You know, I think if the Holy Spirit is, is, is on the page with you, deeply on the page with you, and I, I often, when you're meeting with that person, when you're vetting that person, when you, exactly what you said, you know, you're talking about their passions. You you can, a picture is being painted or a picture is being drawn. But when they start working with you as a volunteer, there oftentimes we, we're all like this. I mean, you will see, you know where their gifts are. You know where their passions are. But that doesn't mean that they have done this before or are qualified. Mm. And, and I go back to even what, what, you know, the question that was asked of me and what I said, I'm not qualified. None of us are qualified. But if we know that we know, move ahead in a specific area, then with the Lord's strength, we can do it. And, and so oftentimes with leaders, there were many of them many of them that I kicked out of the nest. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I can give you example after example, but I don't want to name names. But um, one in particular, she said, I, I cannot do that. I have never done this. I have never emceed. I, have, I said, you know what? I know that. I know all that. And then the other the questions coming my way are, but what if I screw up? What if I mess up? What if I do this? What if I do that? And I go, you know what? It's okay because I know you're supposed to attempt this. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to try this because you do have giftings in mm-hmm. those areas. But I, I often, I just think we as leaders, and I so believe that every single woman needs to know that she is a leader and 
And whether she's in the home or whether she's in the supermarket working or in a corporate position, she is a leader because she's leading those people that are around her. Just like when I had that God moment day on our yard with those, our, our children, mm-hmm. it, it was like, I'm leading these five kids to, to the kingdom for the kingdom. And, you know, and I, and I just think we need to view people that way Mm. that we, we are, it's just more to it than a volunteer volunteering. Yeah. Well, this has been great, Carol, so much for people to glean from, from, from all, from, from everyone to glean from, but especially ladies in leadership, in women's ministry. Is there anything you would want to add to speaking to in particular leaders, uh, women leaders, or even women in ministry, uh, women's ministries? Um, You know, I guess if I were to add one thing, it would be just get to know who you are in Jesus Mm. and allow the Holy Spirit when the Holy Spirit says, Carol, do this, or move this mountain, or maybe you need to change this, ask him for his confidence, for his direction, and his, his guidance. It, you know, because he's our source. He's our power source. And regardless of how challenging something may look like or feel like, he is. He is, and he will. If he says do it, then he will assist you in the in the whole process. So, Man, that's so beautifully said, Carol. I love. Um, I just love your confidence in the Lord and the way. Yeah, I can just hear like a peace and a joy and a confidence in the Lord as you share that. So thanks for sharing that with us. We're about to wrap up here, but before we do, we want to bring on one of our honorary guests of this podcast. So um, Billy Bob McCall, you're on with Carol Lund. What? I'm on with Carol, Carol Lund, the world famous Carol Lund. Carol, Carol are you there? Are you there, Carol? I- I am here. Oh, I am here. Oh, Carol, this is Billy Bob. Oh, it's such, such. I'm so, I'm, I'm so privileged to be able to speak with you. I've been, I've been listening to your conversations. Okay. I've been listening, and uh, you know, first of all, I just want to say, you know, I, I know a thing or two about a thing or two, and I heard, I heard in, in, in your talking that. That you think you kind of done things backwards in life. Well, my yes. life, my whole life is backwards. But what I want to say is, I know, I know. A couple months ago, you just now. I don't really know the fancy words for it, but I know you got some kind of recognition or something, something official like in ministry. I mean, you're a minister in my book, but you got something. I don't know what's what's that. What do you call that that you just did a couple months ago? I think. What you're talking about is uh, a ministry license with the Minnesota District of the Assemblies of God. A, a license. Now, okay, I know you need a license to hunt. I know you need a license to fish. I know you need a license to drive. But but a license to minister? I mean, who? okay. Who needs okay. a license to minister? And, and now I'm not going to sit here and try to guess your age, Carol. But what is it about this point in life that you're getting a license to minister? 
Okay, I I will share with you a few things. Yes. This has been something I have wanted. I have wanted to do for a long time. But there were different times within my job that I could not do family and my yep. position. I couldn't I couldn't do it all. So I put finishing up all my studying and my license at, to the very end. And and why am I, why did I do that? Yes. I, could, I could have just let it go, but I knew that I was supposed to do it. And here is why, because just because I am retiring or retired from this position doesn't mean that I'm retired from life. Oh, that's good. Or, or uh -huh. ministry, because ministry and life goes on. And then one of the things that I really want to remind people about is that you don't need a license to do ministry. Yeah. You, you do not. But here is one of the things that has been drawing me. When we went through the pandemic and there were so many people that could not get into hospitals to be with their loved ones. And I have been with many people when they, when they have been dying. Mm. When they, and, and I thought, okay, no, that little card doesn't, it, it means a lot, but it doesn't mean a lot when it comes to getting into a hospital or into, into ministry. But getting into a hospital, mm. you, need the, you need the credentials. Oh, that's good. Of a, of a licensed minister. And so that's just one of my goals yeah. for, the, for the future. And now, and now, now, now hold on just a minute. Did I hear you say earlier that you married your granddaughter? You did the marriage of your granddaughter? I did. Now, that must, that must have only happened because you got this license thing, right? Correct. Oh, that, now that's worth it. That's worth it right there. How exciting was that? Yes, very exciting. Very exciting. Oh, very, wow. Very. Marrying your granddaughter. Well, it's just been an honor to listen to you, Carol, an honor to talk with you. And I just hope a thousand people hear your story. Thousands, thousands, thousands. Thank you, Billy Bob. Thank you. Thank well, you for the question. Hey, Carol, you're the best. We love you. And thanks for taking um, some of your time here to chat with us. On yes. This thank podcast. you so much, Carol. God bless you. Have thank a you. blessed weekend and we'll see you soon. Yes, we'll see you very soon. Okay. Have a, you have a great afternoon. We've got two links available for you in the description of this podcast. One is worshipislife.org, where you can check out available resources as well as donate to the Pakistan ministry. The other is a link to all of my stuff, and you can check out my new song, Interested, that just came out. My name is Carol Lund, and you're listening to the Worship is Live podcast.